Hello and welcome to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things relating to your well-being, including interviews with experts in the fields of nutrition, physical and mental health, and my five-minute food fact series. I'm Amanda Hayes, your host, a nutritionist with a passion for well-being. Before I introduce today's guests, I will take a moment to let you know that you can subscribe to my podcast on YouTube, hit the red subscribe button, or on your favorite podcast app, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. I will also mention that although I will often be speaking with experts, any information or advice provided in Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast is not intended to be used to treat, cure, or prevent injuries or medical conditions, and is not a substitute for advice from your own health professionals. Today I am here with Tony Carusis. Tony and I met in our local gym where he trains me. Amongst other things, Tony is a ninja warrior, which I think is pretty impressive. So I'm really looking forward to chatting to Tony and learning more about the world of Ninja Warrior. Hi, Tony. Hey, Amanda. How are you? Yeah, good. And you? Yeah, not too bad. So I really enjoy speaking to people like you who have based their careers on pursuing something that they love doing. So in your case, I think it's Jiu-Jitsu and Ninja Warrior. Mm -hmm. Um, Those, I think, are pretty extreme sports, you could say. In a way. Um, And also you spend time in the gym doing strength work, which is Mm -hmm. where we met because Tony is my uh, personal trainer. So I think, am I correct in saying that jiu-jitsu came before Ninja Warrior for you? Yeah, so Mm -hmm. I I started jiu-jitsu back in 2010. Right. So so pretty much right after I left high school. Right. Um, I actually... um, yeah, like I started judo first. Okay. That was the first thing that I started because uh-huh. I got out of high school and I was like, well, I'm not playing soccer anymore. I need to do a different sport. And I I wasn't really good at the team sports. So, I was like, hey, let's, you know, let's try out these martial arts things, you know. What's the worst that can happen? And I did a bit of research and everyone, like, I didn't like the look of karate because it was a bit like oh, everyone does karate sort yeah. of thing. Um, and then I found judo and started judo. Uh, in 2009, I uh, did that for, I think it was five years total. And then um, like about a year into my judo training, um, one of my mates actually took me out to the jiu-jitsu school mm-hmm. and they were training there and I was like, oh yeah, I'll come along. It will go hand in hand with judo. Yeah. So, because if you think of judo as standing up, you're throwing people to the ground and then yeah. if you win the fight with that throw, fight's over. But if you don't, then you have to go fight on the ground. So, that was where I was like, hey, jiu-jitsu will actually be really good for that. Yeah, yeah. So, I started going to both, started training, and then just sort of fell in love with jiu-jitsu yep. and just started doing it more and more and more. And then just stopped doing judo when I was traveling a bit for work. And then, yeah, started so, jiu-jitsu to this day. And I, I believe, Tony, there's, there's two major forms of jiu-jitsu. There's the Japanese and the Brazilian. And I think you do the Brazilian. So, yeah. h- how do they differ? So... If you think of Japanese jiu-jitsu as like a bit of everything. Yeah. So, there's some striking, there's chokeholds, there's throws, there's everything in there sort of thing. It's like this all-encompassing mm-hmm. sport that everything else sort of stemmed out of. I see. Um, so, jiu-jitsu was like Japanese jiu-jitsu was the originator of a lot of the judo stuff. Right. And then um, the guy that invented judo, 
he found that he couldn't do a lot of the stuff in jiu-jitsu. So, he modified it for his own body because mm-hmm. he was a really short guy and was like, hey, oh, I can't I do see. all of these throws and stuff. Let me change it and let me make it work. And then, lo and behold, he created his own martial art. And then the Brazilians went one step further and they were like, hey, this whole ground game is an unexplored territory. Let's start exploring oh, that. I see. And that's where Brazilian jiu-jitsu came into the fold. Um, so, I do BJJ, which is um, a lot more... Similar to wrestling. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, similar to wrestling, except in wrestling, it's you're fighting for a pin. In jiu-jitsu, you're fighting for control, position, positional control. You're fighting for submissions, so choke, right. choke holds, arm locks, that sort of stuff. And so, yeah. so, how do you win? Like, if you get someone in a choke hold, do you do you then win the fight? Or? Yeah. So, depending on the competition, right? Um, there's some competitions now that are submission only. Um, and that is you have to submit the person to win the fight or referee's decision at the end of the time limit. There are some other competitions that are points-based as well, so you can win by getting more points than the other pe- person. So just tell me, what what submission? Uh, so a submission would be like a chokehold, an arm yeah. lock, foot lock, whatever. Basically, right. any time that the other person says, hey, I give up. I can't or move. Taps or, out. Yeah, taps okay. Out, basically. All so, right, yeah. cool. And I also believe that um, like judo and karate and some of the other martial arts, there are belts, different coloured belts in yeah. jiu-jitsu. So, so how do you a, get those? It's a ranking system similar to judo, jiu-jitsu, karate. Um, the thing with jiu-jitsu is it takes a long time between the belts. So, right. there's only five belts. Mm-hmm. There's your white belt, your blue belt, your purple belt, brown belt, and black belt. There's beyond that, but that's, you know, for the really crazy and insane yeah. and the pioneers sort of thing so like it took me two years to get my blue belt mm-hmm. and it took me another two years after that to get my purple belt um and i've just been with injury and taking time off to do other things ninja warrior mainly um that was three four years ago now that i got my purple belt so i've been a purple belt ever since so um basically to progress from each belt um, in jiu-jitsu, it's based on what your coach thinks. I see. And so, if your coach believes that, hey, you as a white belt are starting to perform at a blue belt level in competition, in live drilling, in the gym, you're starting to understand the principles of jiu-jitsu and positional control and all that sort of stuff. If your coach deems that you are ready for that mm-hmm. belt, he'll promote you. And then, because of that, there is that whole... Uh, a coach can sort of sandbag someone, but that's... that's yeah, really, that's yeah, but I guess that could happen thing. in probably any sport it, that, that's judged in that way, I it guess. Do, I it does, yeah, but it sometimes it does happen a little bit more in jiu-jitsu just mm. because it's coach's decision, basically. And if yeah. a coach deems, you know, oh, this student is winning competitions left, right, and center, I'm going to keep him at white belt for a little bit longer yes. just so he wins the club a few more medals. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I won't get into detail because that's a whole argument for a different oh, day. Oh, yeah, that's like a, a, a Pandora's box yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> and for someone to be uh, good good at, for want of a better word, at, at, at jiu-jitsu, what are some of the major attributes that they need? Is it tactics or strength or? Um, like, uh. I will say that strength does play a part in it. Yeah. Um, like a stronger person that has good technique will beat a um, generally beat a smaller person. Mm. But technique does 
Trout's strength. Mm-hmm. So, I would say that there wouldn't be any one single area right. that you would need to focus on. But if there was just one and only one that I could choose, I'd probably say just focus on technique and being yeah. able to understand body positions because a lot of the technique is based on leverage. So, if you can get more leverage and momentum, you can apply a technique. Um, yeah. Understanding, you know, if you're holding someone here and you pull their left arm and move your left hip at the same time, their body's going to move to their right. Oh, sorry, if you grab their... Yeah. <laughs> oh, I could never work that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you, if you grab their right arm with your left hand and move your left hip and move them to their right, then their body is going to go that way because yeah. the weight is all that way sort of thing. Like if you can understand that and start yeah. applying that better and better and better, you will succeed. Um, so yeah, I'd say if you had to focus on one thing, just focus on yeah. learning and flowing through technique instead mm. of trying to force things all yeah. the time. Do many women do it? Yeah, there, there yeah. is. It's definitely growing. Yeah. Um, it's like jujitsu as a sport is growing every day. Yeah, you told me that. It's interesting. And, um, like one of the biggest sort of girl groups in Australia, Australian girls and gi, they run like female only seminars camps all that sort of stuff so it's growing bigger and bigger and bigger yeah. every day that's you see good more women doing it because i awesome. imagine that um it's sort of women should be fighting against other women just because of the way their bodies are compared to men or can can men and women fight against is fight even the right word yeah. compete fight, against train compete train against whatever whatever you, whatever you want to roll whatever whatever you want to yeah. say yeah, yeah. It's, it's all right i guess um so, like in competition, yeah, women should compete against women. Yeah, like but tennis. Mm. Yeah, I. But I won't say no to a female competing against a guy because that yeah. does happen. Has happened in competition, and the female has won. It's happened right. before. Mm. Um, but in terms of like a, if you were doing it just for self defense, I definitely throw women up against guys. Because yeah, that makes sense. You're more uh, like as sad as it sounds. Like a female is more likely to get attacked by a male in the streets. And yeah, than the other way around. If she's only been training against women, then she's not going to know how to defend against someone yeah. that's that much stronger than that's her. That's a really good point. So mm. um, yeah, it's it's really good that women are starting to do that, and it's giving them the, comf- the confidence to go oh, I out. I bet it does. Yeah, that sort of stuff a that's lot. fantastic. Have you noticed, sort of personally, some changes? Um, after you'd been practicing for a while, sort of physical or mental changes to yourself? Yeah. So, uh, when I first started, I wasn't like the most confident person. Um, and like, I can honestly say now that jujitsu has played a big part in who I am today. Yeah. And that's why I like believe that it will be a part of my life for forever now, because it's had such a big impact on my adulthood. Um, I say adult loosely. Um, <laughs> He's a baby. He's a baby, listeners. <laughs> um, like when I first started, I wasn't the fittest um, at all. I was like, I could barely, like I remember training in soccer at high school and everyone would always make fun of me because I couldn't run around the oval. Like that was always one thing that I just sucked at. And then I started doing jiu-jitsu and just fell in love with it and started yeah. doing it more and more and more. And I wanted to do more and push myself a little bit more. And then I, you know, the physical changes started happening. Like I got stronger. Um, when you get thrown around in judo, your bones tend to harden up as well. So I didn't actually break that many bones anymore. Yeah. Because oh, I had a fair few broken bones as a kid. Um, 
definitely fitter. I got a lot stronger as well. Um, but physical changes aside, the mental aspect was probably the biggest change. Yeah, isn't uh, that amazing? That's one of the great things about movement and sport, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and like being able to have confidence, like because I walked into the gym not knowing anyone mm. and I was just like, you walk up to someone who's like, hey, do you want to spar? Like you're just this new person that has no idea what they're doing and you get put in this really uncomfortable situation. You're just like, okay, how do I do things? And you just sort of, you learn to think under pressure. Yeah. You learn to make decisions in an uncomfortable position. And then you just get more confident based on that because it's like, hey, you know, I'm a, back when I was 19, I was 75 kilos or something, sparring with 110 kilo guys. And wow. Just being like, hey, let's, let's do this. You know, yeah. having the confidence to be able to do that was massive because one of the things i read about jiu-jitsu is that it builds character and just yeah. some of the things you've said attest to that you know the confidence the decision under pressure and all of that so yeah it does it does sound very cool i've got to say yeah like and on that note like building the character um a lot of the people that i met through jiu-jitsu have played a big part in who mm-hmm. i am today like some of the people that i met through jiu-jitsu are some of my best friends to this day um one of them, he knows who he is if he's listening. <laughs> um, like, I look up to him like a big brother yeah. sort of thing. Um, and he sort of planted the seed as to what sort of person I wanted to be like, down in the future. And that he made, like, he didn't make me change my career path. He inspired me to change yeah. my career path. Because um, originally I was an engineer and then became a PT. And you know, he was a big inspiration and influence mm. in that decision. And, yeah, so... It built character because I was just surrounded by awesome people all the yeah. time and the community was a big part of that. Is there um, a sort of code of um, respect and fair play, for want of better words, you know, like a guidelines on how you act in terms of yeah, competition? Yeah, every, every gym is going to have their own culture. Yeah. And like every time you step into a new gym, um, you go and visit another gym overseas, for example – they'll they'll have a different culture there but usually it's always one of respect you Mm. should always respect your training partner you should always respect the tap the submission um you should always just you know if we don't have a training partner you can't train either yeah that's true you you know show everyone respect and show your coach respect and that sort of stuff and that was a real real awesome thing to sort of come into where it was you know everyone is even if you're a white belt sparring with a brown belt yeah everyone is equal still it's just skills are different and everyone will support you everyone will try and teach you something you can learn something new from everyone mm. that was really cool i guess it sounds a bit like you check your ego at the door like you don't bring it in very to the much gym. very much mm. so and that was one thing that i had to learn going into it because i was like hey i've done a year of judo you know i can be i can smash a lot of yeah, the guys you're here. a young young bloke full of testosterone (laughs) 19 years old had been training in a gym for five years had been doing judo for a year i walked in there and i sparred with a blue belt and he flying armbarred me in the first minute so (laughs) and you're like whoa (laughs) that was uh that was very humbling um but i adjusted straight away yeah and And also i guess from your point of view if that happens you probably makes you think wow i could do that too i can learn that yeah yeah um Initially, when it happened, it was like, oh, damn, that was 
that was just savage. But um, <laughs> then, yeah, it, like you start seeing all these like brown belts and purple belts and all these higher level belts and they're moving so well. And it's just like, hey, I want to be able to do that. Yeah. And you start trying to do that and one day you do. And it's cool. And, yeah. then, and then you get the same thing from the white belts. The white belts start looking up at you and just going, hey, I want to be like Tony one day. It's like, cool. Yeah, like, it sounds fantastic. Like a very supportive community. Yeah. And you said that it's growing um, in popularity here. So, what are some of the examples? Are there new gyms opening up and things like oh, that? Oh, there's or? new gyms opening up all the time. Right. Um, like a, a higher level belt will get to a certain rank, brown belt, black belt, and then stem off from the gym that he mm-hmm. was training at and open up his gym. And that's happened a lot here in Adelaide. Like when I first started, there was four, three or four major gyms. Right. Now I think there's like 12 wow. in South Australia. Yeah, so that's a massive growth yeah. in a 10-year period. I think there's 12. There's probably more, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. there's there's a lot. Mm. A lot of growth has happened and um, there's gyms popping up all the time now. And it's just about finding the right one for you that mm. fits, you know, fits you basically. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, you could walk into one gym and you don't like the people there. You don't get along with the people there. You don't get along with the coach. But then you walk into the next one. It's just like, oh, these guys. Feels like home. Yeah, it feels yeah. like home. Mm. Tony, the thing that I'm really fascinated about is Ninja Warrior. So mm-hmm. Ninja is an, another sport that's growing in popularity in Australia. Um, in fact, it's kind of just skyrocketed in the last few years. So how did you become interested in that? Um, so little bit of background on ninja as a sport it started in japan as a tv show called oh, sasuke yeah. mm-hmm. um and that's still running i think the up to like the 40th season or something wow. like that it's mental um and then from there america got wind of it because it started playing in america and then america was like hey let's let's do something ourselves and then they made their own ninja warrior tv show and then it grew from America and they're in their 12th, coming up to their 12th season now. Right. And then obviously, you know, Australia saw it and was like, yep, let's make our own season here. Um, so when I was a kid, I grew up um, watching American Ninja Warrior. I was watching American Ninja Warrior and I always sort of had this feeling. I was just like, hey, as a like a primary schooler, I was always really, really good at the monkey bars. Like I would just fling myself through them. Um, I'd skip five or six rungs on the oh, way down. Wow, I was right. really, really good at them. Like if I toot my own horn. <laughs> you can um, do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then like watching the American one, I was like, I want to be able to try this one day. Like but obviously I can't go to America and try yeah. it. Anyway, then season one appeared on TV one day and I was like, oh, sweet. It's here in Australia. It's cool, like, cool, yeah. Um, like I sort of got wind of it and I wasn't sure if it was serious the first time around. And then I saw it season one play and I was like, okay, I actually like, I wanted to do this for so long. Let's just go and do it. So I started doing it. I went down to, um, one of the obstacle gyms here in Adelaide and just started and still doing it three years on now. So. And I know you've entered some competitions and also I think there are different levels of competitions, not just the one we see on television. Yeah. So, can you tell us a bit about the competitions and which ones you've entered? Yep. So, there's like the way I like to sort of picture it is there's different leagues. Right. So, 
um, Ninja Warrior, the TV show, would be one league. Mm-hmm. You have your own separate entry and qualifications to get into that league, for example. Then you've got the Australian Ninja Games, which has its own point system, its own rules system that you would need to qualify in a state qualifier mm-hmm. to be able to get to the national finals. Then there's the Ninja Challenge League, which again has its own rules, own point system, own qualifiers to get to the national finals as well. The Ninja Challenge League has some sort of affiliation with the National Ninja League, which is in America. Mm -hmm. And they have, again, a point system qualifiers world championship at the end of it as well. Um, And then ANG Australian Ninja Games has affiliation with um, Ultimate Ninja Athletic Association, UNAA, in America. And so basically anyone that sort of comes first or second or third in basically gets a podium spot in Australia, right. qualifies for the UNAA World Championships oh, cool. in America. And then there's a few other ones. Um, there was a competition in Russia as well last year um, that they were saying that it was going to be like a demonstrate, like a trial to qualify for the demonstration sport mm-hmm. for the Olympics. I don't know what happened there, but it was a classified as a world championship over in Russia as well. So there was that too. And it's growing globally. So, yeah. there's new competitions popping up all over the world now. So, how do you choose which comp to enter? Does it sort of depend where you live or? Uh, yeah. So, for me, it's, you know, whatever competition happens here in Australia yeah. or in Adelaide, sorry, I'll go and do it. Yeah. Um, I've, you know, floating around online, you see, okay, there's a competition in Perth for the NCL. I might go and do that one. Or there's one in Melbourne. I might go and do that one. Okay. There's, so, you can so enter different leagues. You can enter differently. Right. You can enter different um like different state qualifiers and that sort of stuff, you're free to go and do that as well. You've just got to pay your own way there, basically. Right, so, yeah. yeah. So tell me about which competitions have you entered or just tell us about one or two, perhaps. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> I've done all of them. Um, so I, so last year, 2019, I set myself some goals at the start of the year saying, all right, this year, I really want to focus on Ninja. I don't want to sort of go between Jiu-Jitsu and Ninja. I want to just focus on Ninja. So, my goals at the start of the year were qualify for NCL Grand Finals, which were in Perth, qualify for Australian Ninja Games Finals, which um, actually happened to be held here in South Australia. Um, So, that was awesome. I didn't have to travel. Um, And then um, the third goal was qualify for the TV show. Um, So, I ended up achieving two out of three. Pretty Um, good. So, I achieved... I got into the NCL Finals in Perth. and then also the ANG finals in Adelaide this year, or well, last year, sorry. Um, and then Ninja Warrior TV show, um, we're sort of in the process of getting onto that. So yeah, we'll yeah. So that still remains a goal of yours? Yes. Yeah. Still, still want to be able to go on TV one yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll oh, it's great to watch. <laughs> it's so, the people that, um, that you actually see on the television. I guess there's lots of stuff that happens behind the scenes, but they're so athletic, aren't they? Yeah. And it's... I love the way you seem to get people from all different um, backgrounds. Like, I think the guy that won last year was a golfer. Yeah, yeah. Charlie Robbins. He's a golfer background as well. Yeah, so. but I also read he was a gymnast as a kid. Yeah, so, so I was thinking, well, that's uh, got something to high, do with it. High-level gymnast, but mm. then plays golf on the yeah. side as well. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's... It's definitely a goal of mine, um, but 
you know, it's not the be-all and end-all goal anymore. No. It's because no. there's, you know, the UNAA World Championships, which I did go to last year in America. Yeah. Um, that's another goal, you know, if I wanted to go and do that. Sounds like there's plenty of opportunities out there. Plenty of opportunities, yeah. yeah. And I think the thing about the TV show as well, it's not just based on your skills, is it? They, yeah. they want to get a story mm. happening as well. Yeah. So, so they want you know. to be able to... Yeah. Present you in a certain way. Yeah, so. exactly. So they need to make it entertaining. Yeah, exactly. Um, and do you get nervous before you compete? Yes, um, because I think I think it's normal for everyone to get nervous before a competition. Yeah, regardless so of if too. you're the most elite of the elite athletes, I believe that they still get nervous as well. I think they do. Top tennis players do. Um, it's just you know, how, how you would deal with those nerves. So I spent a lot of last year learning to deal with my nerves before competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the last two competitions, no, sorry, three competitions that I've done, the last three that I competed in were the UNAA World Championships, uh, ANG Grand Finals and the NCL Grand Finals. Um, I feel like I finally found that sweet spot where I know how to deal with my nerves yep. now. So, well, you know, we'll... We'll see if those that I've still got that sweet spot. Yeah. But um, I'll say, yes, I do get nervous with the potential to not get nervous anymore. So right, yeah. um, my mentality now when I sort of compete is to just go in there and have fun because I sort of realized that I was the only person that would ever put pressure on myself. Yeah, that's right. Every time in a jiu-jitsu competition, I'd lose a fight uh, in a ninja competition or fall off an obstacle. No one ever said to me, hey, you messed up, you know, you're, you're bad. You know, no one ever said that to no. me. I was the only person that was thinking that. Everyone actually came up to me and said, hey, you did really, really well. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. Un- you unlucky. got that far, yeah. Unlucky this time, I get back in the gym, just keep training. And, you know, I'll, as soon as I realized that, I was like, wait, I'm the only person that puts pressure on myself. Yeah. So, I just sort of realize that hey it's just all about having fun and let's just go out and have fun and just see what happens well it looks fun i mean it looks <laughs> yeah. hard but fun it, so it is uh, how do you actually train though because you don't always know what obstacles you're going to have to face do you yeah um so i just try and expose myself to as much as possible yeah um so because yeah you don't know what obstacles are going to be thrown in front of you mm. in competition so, you could get into a competition and the first obstacle is something that you've never, ever trained before. But because you've spent so much time on all these other obstacles, you can go, hey, that's similar to X obstacle. Yeah. Let's try this and see how that works. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you do fall off on the first obstacle. Mm. It's the nature of the sport. Yeah. Um, so, just trying to expose myself to as many obstacles and variety and things that I can do um, and just trying to always just challenge what I can do and what I yeah. think is possible because that's the only way that you're really going to get better. Is and I think you do some rock climbing, don't you? Because you need to have that strong grip. Yeah, so I, I've started doing a lot more bouldering now as well um, yeah. just to help build the fingertip strength and yeah. that sort of stuff. And it has good transferability between ninja, bouldering, jiu-jitsu. All of it yeah. is actually pretty interchangeable. Yeah, pretty interchangeable. So The thing that strikes me when I watch it, it seems to be a lot of upper body strength. You know, the, I don't know the names of the... But when you have to jump up, you're holding that bar and you have to... Oh, the salmon ladder. Salmon yeah. ladder. Yeah. Oh, my God. That, yeah, so that's... um, 
there is a lot of upper body strength involved, um, but a lot of it has to do like a lot of success in competition has to do with efficiency and efficiency of movement mm. because on a salmon ladder, for example, you can really muscle that movement and just sort of like weight sort of as if you were doing like a weight, um, I don't know, like a slow pull up sort of thing and then really yeah. launch it like that. Or you can learn how to fling your body into it and use the momentum from yeah. that. And that will actually save a lot of energy, maybe a bit of time as well. And you'll get through that movement a lot easier. Um, and that's what I've found has been the biggest thing is just getting more efficient with my movements. Yeah. Movements, Because every time that I stop and go, hey, I'm going to muscle this movement, then my grip is taxed for the next obstacle. And I yeah. need it. And yeah. So, it's, it's more, you do need a certain amount of upper body strength. But being able to move efficiently through those yeah. obstacles would be the best thing. So... Um, what what in your opinion for you is the hardest obstacle? <sighs> they're all hard. <laughs> None, to be honest. Really? Um, yeah. Because they're all equally hard or? No, because I think it's all in your head. Right. Like you looking at an obstacle and going, hey, this obstacle looks hard. You're automatically putting yourself at a disadvantage to yeah. try and complete it. As soon as you look at it and go, oh, yeah, it's interesting. You've, you've changed your sort of perception on mm. it and go, hey, like. Instead of you thinking, oh, I can't do that sort of thing or that looks hard and you start getting this sort of defeatist attitude. Mm. When you start thinking, hey, that looks interesting. Let's try and do this. Let's try and do that. You start putting yourself in a more positive mindset. And as corny as it sounds, it actually does help. Yeah. Because um, like on the salmon ladder, um, I actually fell off of that when I first started training and blew my knee out and then had to have ACL surgery. And it took me a whole year and a half to get mm, back from gosh. that. Um, what a pain. So, yeah. So, um, the salmon ladder was a big thing, a big mental block for mm-hmm. me for a, a very long time, for at least a year and a half. Um, and then there was just a time where I was just like, all right, today I have to do this. And I got it in my head that I wasn't going to leave the gym until I actually made one jump on the salmon ladder. And up until that point, I'd always thought, oh, it's too hard. I can't do it anymore because I'm, you know... Might hurt my knee. Might hurt my knee. I might do that. Yeah. And then on that day, I was like, no, I'm going to make this jump. And as soon as I started positively influencing what I was going to do, I made the first jump. And then it was like, oh, sweet. Now Now I can do it. Yeah. And then I was just like, okay, well, I'll step back and off we go. Like, I can leave the gym now. Like, I literally, like, got one jump, jumped off and then grabbed my stuff and left because I was like... (laughs) Finish on a high. (laughs) Yeah, I was excited. I was like, yeah, let's get out of here. And then... um, and then I went back and I was like, okay, today I'm going to do two. Yeah. I did two jumps. And then I just started, you know, as soon as I got into my head that, hey, I can do this, mm. I started doing it. And then sometimes now when I jump up to it, I'll look at the bar and then I'll think back to when I fell. And it's like, as soon as I get that in my head, it's like, okay, i got to fight those thoughts to get yeah. out of it because then I'll, if I don't, then I'll fail that obstacle again. But if I just get on there and just go for it, I do it. And... So that's why I don't think there is any hardest obstacle. Yeah. There are there are some that are harder than others, but in my head, all obstacles are easy. It's just being able to yeah. do them. So every every obstacle is easy. You just have to work Having out how to do it. Technique and yeah. The, mm. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. There's no like, there's no reason why anyone can't do anything, unless it's you know 
beyond the realm of physics. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if it breaks the laws of physics, then it can't be done. Yeah. Um, but there's no reason why anyone can't do any obstacle. It's just you got to tell your mind that you can. And once yeah. you do, then you start. And you've got to really want to do it, I think, too. Yeah, that too. I mean? Like, yeah. me getting up that salmon ladder, I really wanted to get that salmon ladder. I have and- no desire to get up a salmon ladder, <laughs> I can tell you. Yeah, that's, that's fine. <laughs> um, I can tell you I have no, no desire to do Ironman competitions. So. Yeah, there we go. We're all different. Yeah. Um, do you think jiu-jitsu has prepared you well for Ninja Warrior? Just obviously physically, but also maybe mentally? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, so, like, I jumped into the gym, like the ninja gym, and I knew how to move my body already. Yeah. Um, a lot of people that go in there don't really have a lot of body awareness just mm. yet. Um, and you see them, they don't know how to kick their hips to start up a swing. They don't know right. how to, they don't know positional awareness in space. Jiu-Jitsu gave me a lot of that as well as grip strength. Because um, in jiu-jitsu, you're constantly oh, okay. grabbing the uniform and pulling and fighting for grips and that sort of stuff. So, I had a, a, a decent amount of grip strength. Not enough, but I had a fairly fairly good grip yeah, when I went in there. Yeah, better than the average. Mm. Better than the average person. And yeah, so being able to move my hips and understand you know where my legs are in space, it sort of gave me a, a stepping stone yeah, into that's, that's the world of ninja. Yeah. Um, and then... Like now that I've gone back to jiu-jitsu and learnt a little bit more of my body through ninja, I've um, I can do a lot more moves a lot easier because yeah. it's like oh, I still I still know how to move, I still know how to do this thing. So they're quite complementary. Yeah, they actually like as weird as it sounds. Yeah, they actually do complement each mm. other pretty well. Mm-hmm. And what about um, do you have any do you pay any particular attention to your diet in the lead up to a competition? Is there anything special you do or? Or do you just sort of eat the same way all the time? The only thing I would do in a lead up to a competition would be just tighten up what I'm eating. So like if I'm eating, if I, let's say I'm six weeks out from a competition, I'll try and stop eating, you know, like the sweet stuff, the yeah. party food, all that sort of stuff. So I'll stop eating pizza. I'll stop I've eating. just got to say Tony's Greek. So he probably has some beautiful food. Does your mum cook for you? Yeah, occasionally. Yeah. Occasionally. <laughs> I do a lot of my cooking. So, I do. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you cook? Greek style food or just anything? I'll, I'll just cook whatever. I'm yeah. pretty, uh, like, to be honest, I am pretty bland and boring in terms of what I eat um, on the daily. Like, I'll just have, you know, I'll, ha- I'll, I'll eat the same thing day in, day out just because it's it's simple. I, it works for me. It's yeah. convenient for me. I'm not too fussed about it anymore. So, but, you know, when mum does cook something cool, I'll try yeah. and have it. It <laughs> depends if I'm leading up to a competition or not. Yeah. Does she um, ever cook baklava? Not her. Oh. My aunties do. Though, and that's, <laughs> that's one of my favourites. Yeah, that's a slippery, slippery, dangerous. Step. Oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, in terms of like diet leading up to a competition, I tend to not change anything too much anymore yeah. because I used to do drastic, like like when I first started jiu-jitsu, I used to do all these drastic, you know, weight cuts and cut this out, do this, and you know, mess up my body a little bit. Now, I've sort of, through my own study and um, through the career change to being a PT and learning about nutrition yeah. and how to fuel your body properly, I don't tend to t- change much too much, change much at all. Leading yeah. up to a so, you've, you've kind of found what works for I you. I found what works for yeah. me. And yeah, I just basically tighten up. Yeah. Like, so, just... I won't have pizza. I won't have... Um, not that I eat that much of it anyway. No, but you just would make an effort not to have anything. I would just make an anything. effort not to have anything. So, like... In, I've got a competition coming up 
in the next couple months where I just, I want to be as light and lean as possible. So I, I'm making a conscious effort to not have, you know, the occasional chocolate here and yeah. biscuit there and that sort of stuff. It's just like, all right, let's just stay focused on what we're eating at the moment. And, yeah. yeah. So, oh, that sounds good. Sounds like you've got a pretty sensible approach to it all. Yeah. I'm a big believer in, you know, living that healthy lifestyle yeah. all year round because there's no point in, you know, getting on a diet and then going off a diet oh, yeah. and then like you in your off diet, you put on all this weight. Yeah, then you have to. And when you're on diet, you lose it all. But then when you go back to the off diet, you put it all back on because yeah. it's, it just doesn't work. Apart from not being good for you, uh, for your metabolism, it's also not good for you mentally. That stress of yeah, <laughs> on a diet, off a diet, yeah. on, off, on, off. So, you know? I, like... Through my study and everything, I've found out that you just need to eat foods that you enjoy. Yeah. And like, so all the food that I eat, even though it may look bland and boring from the outside, I love it. You love like, it. Yeah. I love, love, you know, chicken and vegetables. I love yeah. my fish and my So simple, vegetables. healthy foods. Simple, healthy foods that have got a lot of great flavor and that yeah. sort of stuff. So that sounds And good. that works. So. And also this is, because this is a well-being podcast, I like to talk about the link between well, in your case, movement and sport and exercise and well-being. Mm-hmm. So it's obvious that there are physical benefits to it. So um, if we just look at those, so why do you think it's important for people to move? Because we sit way too much. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, today's society, um, myself included, um, so when I'm not up and about and moving and doing stuff, I, I, and I know this about myself, I'll just go home and sit at my laptop and just watch Netflix. Ninja. I'll watch Ninja, <laughs> yeah, because i got to study. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're all, we're, we've become a society where we sit down a lot. Yeah. Uh, we spend eight to ten hours sitting all the time and, you know, that's that's why they say sitting is the new smoking. Yeah. Because there's so, so many health problems associated with sitting for so long. Um, so like, why is it important for people to move? Because we don't do it enough. Yeah. Um, when you sit down, your hips are in this, um, poor position. Your posture is bad. Your organs are actually bad. Blood doesn't flow properly. Metabolism starts to slow, all that sort of stuff. You, you know, get fatigued, posture suffers, all that sort of stuff. And that's why it's important to move is because your body was designed to move. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, your shoulder joint is supposed to be able to rotate 360 degrees. Some people don't do that anymore because their shoulders are so far forward. Yeah, especially the way we hunch over a computer. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally guilty of that. Oh, me too. So even if you're aware of it like we are, you still fall into that trap. Yeah, 100%. And, Mm. like, I try and make a conscious effort to make better habits throughout the day, but... Sometimes you just fall into those bad habits. And, yeah, and you get it. You get absorbed sometimes in what you're doing. So you, yeah, think, oh gosh, like I've the been worst. Sitting the down. worst is when I'm on my phone. I'm looking at something or I'm playing a game on my phone. I, I'll stop and then I'm like, wait, my posture is like I'm like the hunchback of Notre yeah. Dame, and it's just, it's <laughs> at horrible. least you recognise it though. Yeah. And then if we talk about strength, um, mm-hmm. so because you, well, Tony is my trainer. He's helping me with all sorts of strength yeah. exercises. So. What, what's the importance of um, building your muscle strength, do you think? So, um, there's a lot. So, yeah. like, the first thing that sort of pops to mind when you ask that is, you know, when you age, you actually lose muscle. Mm-hmm. So, because of that, that's when you see older, older people 
they're struggling to walk. Like my grandfather is struggling to walk up and down the stairs. Like that's why strength training is important because as we age, we lose muscle. We want to try and maintain as much muscle as possible for as long as we possibly can because we want to be able to move. We want to be able to walk. We want to be able to get up and go and enjoy our life basically. So that's why building muscle is so important. Um, And building strength comes with that as well. Um, And then there's the other health benefits of that as well. Like with whenever you increase muscle mass, your your calorie expenditure actually increases as well. So muscle is the biggest and most metabolically active tissue in our body. So the more muscle you have, the faster metabolism you have, and therefore the more fat you're going to burn when you're sitting at rest. Then on like extending from that, muscle is also nutrient storage facility. So basically all your nutrients are stored in your muscles. And so when you're, you know, your body needs something, it goes straight to muscle. Yeah. So it's constantly like depositing stuff, taking stuff out, that sort of stuff. So the more muscle you have, the more nutrients you have the in your body. Fuel. So, yeah. Yeah. The more fuel you're going to have. And, you know, I'm not saying everyone needs to go out and be this Arnold Schwarzenegger style bodybuilder. No. Just a little bit of strength training just to maintain the muscle that you have is just going to benefit you yeah. in so many ways. Because there's no reason why elderly people you know, shouldn't be able to move. Like maybe yeah. not as fast, no. but still to be mobile. No, exactly. And there's a there's a great photo that I um I like to show people, especially older clients that I get and see, explaining to them why they need to strength train. The photo is it's got a forty year old triathlete and it's got a MRI of his quad. Oh yeah, I've seen this. Yeah, yeah. and then it goes to the seventy year old sedentary person and his quad has got little to no muscle yeah. and the rest of it is made up of fat. And then it's got a seventy year old triathlete, muscle his quadriceps are taking up the entire thing and there's very little fat and it just shows, you know, use it or lose it. Yeah, exactly. It does, doesn't it? So And then um I was just looking at your Facebook account, Tony, yeah. for some of the research for this podcast and um you said um, it, you had a really great post on there. You talked about 2019 being mm-hmm. a really, you know, massive year for learning, success and shortcomings. Um, but you said the biggest thing you learned was you just need to have fun. Yeah. And when you have fun, your life mm-hmm. becomes better. So your goal this year is is just have more fun. So yeah. how are you going to do that? Um, so like with training for Ninja, I've just like... I realized that, hey, I can actually do a lot of other sports as well. So, my idea of fun these days is to just be active and go and yeah. try all these different sports. So, like I want to go and try archery, for example. Um, I'm going to try powerlifting. Like I've never done a powerlifting competition in my life. So, I'm just going to go and compete in a powerlifting competition. I'm going to try run a half marathon. Oh, are you? That's cool. <laughs> we'll see if we actually do that one though. Um, like I'm going to do City to Bay, like stuff that I wouldn't yeah. normally do. I'm actually like pushing myself to go and do because um, I've realized that, yeah, you know, you have fun by experiencing new and different yeah, things. Yeah, that's, that's right. And that's yeah. what I want to do this year is I really want to experience all of these different things that life has to offer. So I want to try and, um, new things. The cool thing for you about that is that everything you do probably contributes in some way to your ninja training, doesn't it? Yeah. Like um, the other day I started teaching myself how to juggle. Oh, right. Um, (laughs) And like I tell people, I'm just like, I'm learning how to juggle. And they're just like, why are you doing that? I'm just like, well, it builds hand-eye coordination. They're just like, oh, so that actually helps with ninja, doesn't it? And it's like, yeah, it does. Yeah. So learning to juggle, because you're building hand-eye coordination. And then I want to take it to like some crazy circus act. 
Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I can't wait to see this. <laughs> oh, it's going to take me a while to do it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's Stay tuned. Cool. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yes. And so the final question that I, I like to ask all of my mm-hmm. guests, if you could recommend two things that all people could do to mm-hmm. improve their well-being, what would they be? Um, this is a hard one because yeah, it is hard. I can't like I sh- I'm struggling to narrow it down to just two well, things. Mate, you can say more. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I think the best way to do it would be like split up into like if you were just looking at uh, wellness in terms of just life and living. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best thing, two best things that you could do for health and wellness in terms of just your life and lifestyle would be to actually work less and sleep a lot more. Mm. Um, And unfortunately, you know, working less isn't always an option, but even just working smarter and being able to spend time outside of work with family, with friends, outdoors, doing that sort of stuff, that's going to improve your life a lot more. Um, And then obviously sleep. No one sleeps enough these days. Mm. A lot of us are sleep deprived, me included. Um, if you can sleep more, you're going to recover a lot more. You're going to improve your mood, improve your mental health as well, um, improve your metabolism. Just everything is better yeah. when you sleep properly. Um, in terms of like gym and fitness stuff, um, strength training. Yeah. Definitely, If regardless of what sort of athlete you are, if you're an uh, iron woman, if you're a ninja warrior, if you're a jiu-jitsu fighter, strength training. Yeah. It's going to benefit you in more ways than just you know, building muscle, big showy muscles. If you focus on good technique and you know, learning to lift properly, you're going to see massive benefits throughout your life as yeah. well as the sports that you're I training I totally for. agree. I mean, I've felt a lot of benefits since I've been training with you. Just yeah. I feel a lot stronger. My core's a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. And when I lift weights, um, I don't get injured by it. Yeah. So uh, That's another thing is, you know, don't overdo it as well. Yeah. So a lot of people will sort of jump in. Like it's the new year now where, what's the date today? The 16th? Yeah. 15th? 15th. Yeah. Something like that. We're fresh into the new year. Everyone's got this big, you know, the top goal is, well, one of the top goals for New Year's resolutions is I want to lose weight. Yeah. So people will jump into, you know, this six or seven day training regime. And then within two weeks, they dropped off because it's too much. So the, the best advice I could say is don't overdo it because yeah. you want to build up small and keep it up for a long time because results don't happen overnight. Yeah. So Absolutely true. Yeah. Do a little bit each day. So, Tony, if people want to follow you um, or contact you, what's the best way? Um, probably through Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Um, that'd be the best way. Yeah, cool. Um, well, I can put links to that in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be the easiest way because okay. I'm always... Well, at the moment, I'm taking a little bit of a break from social media just because oh. I need to just... Yeah, good on you. Defrag my mind for a bit. Yeah, yeah, good um, idea. So, yeah, that'd be the best way. Like, I'll still answer messages and stuff, but, yeah, that'd be the best way. Well, thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Okay, great. And that was Ninja Warrior Tony Carusis. You can subscribe to Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button, and while you're there, click on the bell to be alerted when new episodes are available. You can also subscribe on your favourite podcast app iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Direct links to all social media can be found on the subscribe page of my website, 
at www.amandaswellbeingpodcast.com. If you would like to contact me, you can send me a message via the contacts page on my website. Please feel free to suggest topics you'd like to learn more about and people you'd like to hear interviewed and I'll do my best to deliver that to you. Producing the podcast is a labour of love. We put in a lot of time, money and effort behind the scenes. So if you enjoy Amanda's Wellbeing Podcast and would like to make a contribution via Patreon, PayPal or by Amazon to help ensure we continue to provide you with excellent content, please visit the Contribute page on my website. Finally, please take a minute to leave a ratings on iTunes. It improves visibility and will help me source excellent guests. Thank you for tuning in. Eat well, move well, think well.